Welcome to the Today is a Good Day podcast, a podcast to bring you a new point of support as you navigate your NICU journey. Today is a Good Day is here to be a part of your conversations, whether your baby was born prematurely, has special needs, or if your family is grieving a loss. The voices you will hear on the Today is a Good Day podcast are personal stories from people who have been there. Please don't forget to hit subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcast listening app. On today's episode, we're talking about the relationship between you and your NICU nurse. One of the most important aspects of a parent's role in the NICU is to be an advocate for their baby. And this advocacy starts with the NICU nurse caring for your child. Building that good relationship with the team of nurses can help you during the NICU journey in so many ways. And most importantly, establishing open communication with the nurses helps your baby's overall care. Today, we're going to learn ways to open up about what you need from your baby's nurses as we talk with Marianne Malloy, nurse manager at Einstein Medical Center, Philadelphia. So welcome, Marianne. So happy to have you here. You and I met three years ago. I'm honored to work with you on a regular basis to help families navigating the NICU. So tell us a little bit about yourself. How long have you been a nurse? Why did you choose the NICU? <laughs> so Martha, I'm so excited to be here today. So I am a wife, a mom a student, and I've been um, a nurse for just about 22 years. Um, I started on a medical surgical floor. I spent my year required, you know, that what they ask all new grads to do back then. And I think the easiest way to describe how I wound up in the NICU was that the NICU picked me. I always knew I wanted to work with children. I didn't necessarily know that that meant the NICU, but I knew that I wanted to work with kids. And um, shortly into my, I guess, one year at Einstein, um, I discovered that we had a NICU. I went for a visit, and I guess the rest is history. I wound up going for the interview that day. Um, I was asked a very pointed question by uh, the nurse who actually interviewed me, and she showed me a 24-weeker with more lines, tubes, and machines than you could possibly imagine. And she said to me, can you touch that baby? Can you hold that baby? And I was like, I thought it was an odd question because I was like, well, yeah. And she's like, okay, you're hired. And that's how I wound up in the NICU. Um, the short story is that I spent three years at the bedside um, when the staff decided that they wanted me to apply for the manager position. I still take care of patients every day that I can while juggling the nurse manager role, but I spend most of my time spending time with the staff and the families that we serve. Through those 22 years, you have seen, heard, felt so much with those families who you're supporting and the staff members who experience that every day. What do you want to share with families who are experiencing NICU? So I think the biggest thing that I want to share is that um, we're, we don't want to be your baby's mom. We want you to be your baby's mom. We're here to support you and to support your baby. And when we admit a baby, we admit a family. Um, and I think that sometimes that gets lost in the technical aspects of being the nurse caring for the baby, um, being the parent standing at the bedside. I think that, um, Families need 
to find their voice, but sometimes we need to help them find their voice. Um, I'm a very good people reader. So a lot of times the staff will say that they don't know that they're making a connection with a family and I'll step in and, and I can usually, you know, sometimes it comes down to that the family doesn't know what their role is at that moment in time. Um, it could be something as simple as uh, allowing them to do mouth care using mom's breast milk. Um, it could be something as simple as showing them how to change a diaper around a, a, a bunch of lines and, and tubes and things like that. And those simple tasks, I think in a lot of ways, help to build that relationship. And it's scary for the mom. And a lot of times moms will be like, no, you do it. And, and when the nurses are pushing you to do it, it's not because we don't want to do it. It's because as a mom or a dad, you have a role in, in, in being there for your baby. And at that moment in time, that, that might be what we can offer for the safety of everyone, right? Mm -hmm. The baby, um, even the staff and things like that. Um, I think it's easiest to say that um, being able to tell the nurse how you feel, which is really hard for some families, we're, we're okay if you're angry. We know that you're not angry at us. Mm -hmm. We're okay if you're sad because it's a, it may not be, be a great situation at that moment in time. We're actually okay if you're mad at the doctors because you just got bad news. We're gonna re we're gonna be happy with you. We're gonna be sad with you. Um, so talking talking about those feelings and and understanding that we've helped a lot of parents before you through this. I. I'm reflecting back on our family's personal NICU experience and all that you're sharing right now. I am smiling a little bit under my mask because I remember so much of what you're saying about feeding with mouth care and breast milk on the Q-tip that we would feed to Claire and to Mary after they were born. And Paul and I were so scared, but it was the nurses who helped to guide us through that and to help us feel confident in working to change our 15 ounce baby's diaper, right? <laughs> and figuring out how we take her temperature and how we participate in her care and how much it meant to us that nurses tried to adapt her schedule to work with our schedule so that we could really be an active participant in that. But I would say that fear is really there for families. And I remember Paul sharing with me after the girls were born one of the nurses in the OR saying, Paul, touch your babies, touch your babies, Paul. And he was in such shock. So what do you have? What's a recommendation you have for families to just try and get over that initial fear of, of hurting their baby or not knowing what to do? So I, I think it is. A, it's scary. I, I think it is scary. And I think owning that it is scary Um I do a lot of it. It's interesting that you say that Paul was scared because I do a lot of um, encouragement, I guess, is the best word for it. You know, it, it's OK to to rub your baby's foot. Your 
your baby will tell you when it's not okay. Mm-hmm. We, 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 we are right here. We are watching the monitor. Um, and I think acknowledging that fear, we, it really is an encouragement thing. And maybe you're not ready at that moment in time. Um, there's a lot of processing that needs to go on when you are put in that situation of having such a, an extremely premature baby. Um, I think you're in shock. I think that we can certainly encourage you, but as nurses, we have to meet you where you are. Um, and if at that moment you're, you don't know where to focus, Mm -hmm. um, whether it's the stroke of a foot or, you know, touching a finger, um, we acknowledge that it's scary. Yes. <laughs> um, and we acknowledge that not every family is going to be at the same place at the same time. Mm-hmm. And now, Miriam, we talked a little bit about premature birth, which I think is what so many think of when they think of the NICU. But can you talk to us a little bit about your process of working with families who have premature babies versus families who are welcoming welcoming full-term babies who have to spend time in the NICU? So so there is a difference. Um, and and I reflected on this a little bit um, over the last couple of days. And I think that the difference is the both in the preparation and the expectation phase. So when you are, when you carry the term and you are expecting at that moment in time, a healthy term infant that's going to room in with you, that's going to go home with you, that's going to be with you from the time you deliver until forever. um, I think, I think there's, I think there is a shock, a bigger shock factor, because as you mentioned, I think everybody expects if they deliver early that the baby's going to go to the NICU. I I think that's a given. Um, But I think when we admit to the NICU, a term 10 pound, eight pound baby who maybe struggled when they were first born, families aren't expecting that. Um, They're there's equally a sense of grief, but it's different because they truly weren't expecting this. Mm-hmm. So the shock factor is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes those babies, you know, they do well and it might be a 12 hour stay or a 24 hour stay. Um, but sometimes they're there for a few weeks because whatever caused them to be admitted to the NICU isn't a quick resolution. It may be a week of antibiotics. It may be longer than that. And so there was no plan. And so I think for parents, when their world kind of gets jumbled up um, and, you know, you think you're past the I I always equate it. You think you're past the trouble spot when you make it to 35, 36 weeks and you're like, "Whoo, I made it. Um, I won't have to, you know, my baby will be okay." And now you get faced with going to the NICU at that point. There's Mm -hmm. also no 
sometimes they're not planned, right? So we do a great job when a mom comes in, family comes in, and they have a preemie on board, and they're imminently going to deliver. And we get all the resources out, and we get the NICU down to see them and the team, and everyone talks to the mom about as much as we can get in in that period of time. When it's a term baby and you're laboring normally and now all of a sudden the team appears, you weren't expecting the team <laughs> and they're whisking your baby away and you weren't expecting that. It it can be very traumatic for a family. And when you think about that trauma and being thrown into this isolating, overwhelming world of the NICU, sometimes when it happens suddenly with a premature baby or when... You deliver a full-term baby and it's unexpected for that baby to go to the NICU. In talking about being an advocate for your baby, building that relationship with your nursing team, what's one of the first questions that you suggest parents ask of their nurse? The very first question that um, parents should be asking are things surrounding um, just NICU routine. Um because we may miss something in our orientation. You know, when a, you're in shock, when you first come to the NICU, we throw all these forms at you. We throw visitation forms mm -hmm. and you may need to go over those again. And it's OK to ask, you know what, I've, I forgot what time you told me visiting hours were or um, I forgot who you told me was going to help me pump. That is the first line of feeling comfortable to Ask for more information if you're feeling that you don't understand something. Um, I think it's okay to ask things like, so we have these great whiteboards, but it's okay to ask, you know, so your your name is Michelle and how many nurses, like how many nurses are going to take care of my baby? It's a great um, question. I, I think that's okay. So I have a relatively small staff. Um I have 40, and, and I say this lovingly, but there are only 45 nurses. So there's only one of one set of parents, right? So there's only the, that NICU parent at that time. But even on your worst day, you're depending upon how long you're there, you're probably only going to really get to know about 12 or 14 of them. Mm -hmm. um, most of the nurses work three days a week. So you're definitely going to have different nurses um, throughout time. Um, and I think it's okay to build a relationship with a nurse because maybe there's going to be a day that she's not going to have your baby, but it's okay to give a smile and a wave. And, and even if she's not the nurse taking care of your baby, we're not that big of a NICU that you're not going to see others. Well, and those relationships, I mean, always reflecting back, those relationships are really what helped us through our personal 103-day stay in the NICU, mm -hmm. were the friendships that we made with the nurses, the nurses who helped us to feel empowered as parents, figuring out how to hold a daughter with a ventilator and mm -hmm. to do kangaroo care for the first time when she was strong enough to be held. But it was those nurses that helped it to happen and to help us feel good about it. And sometimes we we may, I'll be honest, we may forget about that piece of it. And you may, as the parent, advocate for those kinds of things. Like, when she's strong enough, can I hold her? 
Um, we're very good about noting like the first time that a mom gets to hold a baby or a dad. Um, I think we do a really great job with that. But I think there is a trust that needs to be built because now if the baby's not having a great day and we say to a mom, today's not a really great day to hold the baby. Um, you know, she was cold or or she's just not having a great respiratory day or he's not he's not doing so great today. It's that trust that you trust us and we trust you that, you know, you understand that you're going to get to hold your baby, but maybe not today. Mm -hmm. And it all comes with letting us know how you're feeling. I do a lot of asking those questions like, how are you feeling today? And I'm not prying. Um, I, I genuinely want to know. The nurses genuinely want to know. We're going to ask you questions like, did you eat today? Are you drinking enough? Sometimes we even have to ask the question, are you, are you taking a shower? And, and sometimes those questions seem really personal, right? But those three questions really give us an idea of how you're doing as a, as a family, as a mom, as a dad. Because if you're not doing one or more of those things, then we need to help more. Mm -hmm. And it is hard to remember to do those things, I would say, for a lot of NICU parents who are trying to get into a routine, especially if you're there for an extended stay as well and trying mm -hmm. to figure out how to pump and or breastfeed or, you know, what how it works when you're going to take time to eat something and and all those little things that you don't think about that often. Now, as we talk about being an advocate for your baby, do you recommend to parents to journal to use a journal to write questions? So, uh, so I love journaling. I'm a big journaler. Um, I like to tell the parents to use the journal to write down the questions that they have or even what what they understand. So if we have a family meeting or we just have an impromptu meeting at the bedside, um, I like to... I like to envision myself sometimes as the interpreter for the information that they're being given. Um, so I do encourage them to write down questions or even to be able to say, to look back and say, oh, yesterday was really bad, but look how great today is. Mm -hmm. um, or the other way around. Um, sometimes you have to look back and sometimes if today's not a good day, you got to look back and find the today that that was a good day, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're yes. stuck with how do you figure this out? Um, but I think using the journal to really write down your questions because there's so much information that you're being given. Um, you don't really have. You can't remember it all. No. And even then using the journal in the future when you graduate from the NICU mm -hmm. to be able to meet with specialists or follow up appointments, NICU follow up yep. appointments to be able to refer back to the notes that you took and feeding schedules or weight and how much weight the baby has gained. Those types of things I I feel like is such an important 
tool for families and and takes that out of your mind, right? right? That you can just write it down in the journal and use it for the future and to ask questions in the middle of the night, writing down something that, oh, I need to ask the nurse this, this in the morning. tomorrow. Yep. When you look at how families interact with NICU nurses and how they're trying to be advocates for their babies, what's one of the things you might change of how fam- what you've seen over the years of how families interact with the medical teams, with the nursing teams, and something you think that would help to improve that? So I think... Um I am an advocate of family-centered rounds to some degree. Um, I think having an opportunity for the family, the nurse, and the the physicians, whether it's five or ten minutes at the bedside once a week or every other week, you know, or every day, depending upon the status of the baby, um, it would be nice if that was a hardwired plan. Um, Families are often stuck to the schedules of the physicians because there's so many babies that have to be taken care of Um, and trying to figure out a way to meet everyone's needs and also to really make the families feel empowered that we really do care about what they think. we really do want them to to tell us their what they're thinking, what they even think about the plan that we have. Because sometimes if they're asking the right questions or just a question, because there's no right or wrong, sometimes that may give us a clue that either we're not all on the same page or we thought we were on the same page. And so that's really important that the families really have an avenue to to ask questions. Well, and I do think that many parents feel intimidated by the NICU. They don't feel empowered to ask questions or think that they don't have the knowledge. They don't know the terminology. When you hear these reports coming at you uh, about scans and heel pricks and blood tests and transfusions and CPAP and all the different components of the NICU, right? Right. That they just feel very overwhelmed by it. And when you look at that relationship, I mean, what are some of the common myths that you hear from families as they're trying to interact with their medical teams or things that they're scared of? And and. What's your advice for them? So I think one of the things is something as simple as the terms a NICU nurse uses. So I'm always, I always go back to this. um, So babies occasionally will have apnea and bradycardia events, right? Mm -hmm. So the mom calls for an update or the dad calls for an update on the phone. And the nurse says the baby had an event, Well, if we have not done our part to explain exactly what the event was, what it looks like, what it sounds like, what what has actually happened, that's really scary, right? Because you're on the other end of the phone. You're not maybe you're not physically present. Um, I often encourage families. So sometimes I get called in at this point. They told me my baby stopped breathing. And so. Maybe we didn't do a great job of explaining that, yeah, that's going to happen and that's going to happen for a little bit. Um, And so maybe 
you know, what we think we've explained. So it's okay for the families to say, what is that? I don't understand. Um, what did that look like when it happened? Right. Mm -hmm. Because the worst part of the situation is for you to be sitting at your baby's bedside, have it happen. Mm -hmm. The nurse comes running over and she fixes it with a flick of a foot or a pat on the on the bottom. And now the baby's all good again and the monitor's nice and green and everybody's happy. And you're like, what just happened? Right. Right. It's very traumatizing. It, it is traumatizing. Happens. This is something we cover, right? Mm -hmm. We usually cover it right in the beginning, but it isn't happening in the beginning. So now it's starting to happen and you're petrified. And if if we don't know that you're petrified, we can sometimes tell the look on your face. It's a little harder during COVID because we all have masks on. Yes. Um, you know, so we're trying to read eyes. <laughs> um but it's okay to say, well, what was that? Mm -hmm. um, and open those lines of communication. And then once you start hearing common terminology, you know, as the as a mom of, you know, as moms of preemies will often say, they're like, oh, that's just an event. It's okay. Mm -hmm. It's an episode. An episode, right. Um, and yet I can think of four different things in the NICU I would consider an episode, right? So the baby threw up. And their NG tube came out with it. Well, there's an episode. There's an episode. The baby's heart rate dropped. Mm -hmm. well, there's another episode. So when we say, oh, the baby had an event or the baby had an episode, then we start talking about, well, your baby had an A and a B. Well, okay. Which, what's A and what's B? Right. So I think when we're using words that parents don't understand or they're not quite there, you know, maybe they're new to the NICU and they haven't gotten the lingo down. Stop us. Yes. Please ask. Well, I think that's what I'm hearing the most from you reinforcing with families today who are listening is ask questions. Yep. Any question all the time, write it down, ask it. If you think of it in the middle of the night, just bring it the next day. And that is what helps you to feel more empowered as a parent trying to be an advocate and you can only make the best decisions you can based upon the information you have, right? Absolutely. So the more questions that you ask and the more information you can gather from those who know, you, Marianne, the other nurses, the doctors, those helping to help your baby have more good days than bad days yep. to eventually get to graduation. It's all about just asking the questions. So you have to tell us about a memorable time during your past 20 plus years as a nurse, a strong connection you made or a family that really made an impact on you. So my story winds up very in a in a very positive light. But um, I, I thought a lot about this particular question. Um, I've done some things throughout my career that probably seem a little odd. Um, I've taken babies to the ICU um, to the adult ICU because their moms were so sick that the mom couldn't come to the baby. Um, and in this particular um, family, um, the mom came in acute respiratory distress, put on a ventilator, delivered a 24 weeker. The baby clearly deprived of oxygen, really had a rough course. Um, the family, the mom's mom, so the maternal grandmom and baby's dad um 
they they just didn't know which end was up, right? So mom's in the ICU on a vent and the baby's in the NICU and where do we go next? And um and I was with the mom the first time. So we decided when mom was well enough that she needed to come to the NICU to see her baby. And we stood her up at the isolette and um and Jasmine looked in the isolette and she said, What's that? And I said, well, that's your baby. And so the ICU manager's there because she wasn't really stable enough to travel. But we were hoping that by seeing the baby, we could kind of get things moving for for Jasmine. And um, and because she had been without oxygen, Jasmine had some issues as well. And there's this baby who was lying there very innocently 24 weeker on event. Um, and I think my greatest moment was number one, when both Jasmine and the baby got to go home. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, we followed Jasmine all through rehab. The baby took a few trips to Moss to visit her mom. Um, and mom was able to come visit the baby. But I think the greatest part of that story was that, um, well, we lost contact for a few years in the middle right busy mom baby that needs a lot of services mom's still getting services was probably about two years ago i get i get a phone call from the hospital operator connected to my phone and this young lady very well spoken says to me i don't think you remember me my name is jasmine and I started bawling at my desk. Oh, I'm yes. crying. And I'm going, what do you mean? I don't remember you. And she says, we're ready to give back. And I have Mother's Day gifts oh. for the moms in the NICU. And so mom and dad and baby, who's now seven, came to see me. And here is this perfect little girl. Mm. She had just graduated from all of her services. And... um. And those the last two years, um, Jasmine, I get a weekly picture now that we now that we've reconnected. And when she tells me about her time in the NICU, she says, the only voice I can remember hearing is you telling me that's my baby. Mm -hmm. And she said, and I, I just didn't believe anyone because she had a little bit of a of some difficulty herself. And now, um, I would say we're actually friends. We do the the March of Dimes walk. Mm-hmm. That whole idea of going from trauma to to intact happy family, baby doing great. Now she's not a baby; she's a big girl, um, and she's feisty. She is feisty. <laughs> um, she took one look at me and she goes, "Hmm." You're a friend of mom's, huh? I'm like, yes, I am. And, and you know, I think it's those memories and those visits back that keep us going in the NICU that the nurses have. Um, we, we love when families come back to visit. Mm-hmm. Um, right now they can't, but we love when that happens. We take pictures. We, we have a really a unique relationship with our families. Mm-hmm. Well, it's getting me a little teary-eyed hearing that story over here, Marianne, but I also think it's such a testament to you to the difference that you made in that family's life. And 
I think that's true for so many nurses. They might not understand the impact that they make on families and how they've helped families through the darkest days of their lives, which is what you all do every single day. And so when that graduation day comes, I'm sure it is so joyful and exciting. And I know as a parent leaving the NICU, it is exciting, but I I think they had to kick us out of the NICU. We (laughs) bought pizza. We went, no, 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 we're not leaving yet. But it is an exciting and scary and, and again, overwhelming day when you graduate from the NICU. So I just want to close with when you see these families walk out the door and they have their baby in the car seat ready to go. What's your biggest piece of advice for them as they leave the NICU? So I think my biggest piece of advice is, and and this is hard for some families, is yes, the baby's well enough to go home, but please take advantage of all of the things that we're giving, you know, that we're, we're arranging. Um, keep those doctor's appointments as overwhelming as they seem. Um, if you don't understand something, ask us before you go home. Um, make sure that you've made a connection with your pediatrician. I mean, we do that as well, but we want to make sure that you've made that connection as well. Um, and, and remember that we're still here for you. So if you have a question, um, we get some very common questions about 24 to 48 hours after discharge. And that is usually surrounding, um, how do I know if my baby's eating enough? Or how do I know? And, and, you know, whoever answers the phone can usually answer the question. You know, this formula, I can't find it. Where can you can you help me find it somewhere? Um, and I am very good at being resourceful. So, yes, I can find your formula for mm-hmm. you. Um, but remember, we're still here and we can still we're, we're, we're we can still answer questions. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us today and helping families who are currently navigating the NICU to make sure that they are asking the questions and they are doing the best that they can to build those strong relationships with the nurses, with the medical teams, to be the best advocate that they can for their baby during their NICU journey. Thanks, Marianne. Thank you so much. 